0: Hey, this is Howard Jacobson, and I am really delighted to be joined on the phone today by Julie Morris. Hello, Julie. Hello. So I, I, I found you through a whole bunch of buzz on social media around um, your new book, Superfood Smoothies. And I was looking at some of the recipes and looking at the pictures and hearing about you, and I knew I had to – to to reach out um if only to to just enjoy for myself the uh, the recipes and the flavors that that you've created so we're going to be talking about um specifically about smoothies about superfoods um but first well, I'd like to ask all my guests is how how did you end up in this uh in this crazy wonderful world of uh, of plant-based uh eating when you when you when you were a kid were you uh, a healthy eater or uh, sort of more normal? oh my gosh
1: not even close. Not even close. And it really is such a wonderful, wonderful world. But no, growing up, um, I mean my mom tried and everything <laughs> to eat healthy, but it was definitely not a very healthy household at all. Like we had Twinkies and cupcakes everywhere and uh basically I just I always loved cooking and I always loved food and so I was often in the kitchen as a child making recipes from cookbooks um, to the point where even when I was a teenager, I would always get gifts as, as, as you know, for all the holidays as like, you know, juicers and pasta makers <laughs> and different types of cookbooks and like I thought grocery shopping was really fun, I, you know, like it was just a weird little kid uh, thing that I did. But um, when I went to college, I developed all of the symptoms of chronic fatigue syndrome. So even though I was a vegetarian at age 14 for ethical reasons, I wasn't eating particularly well. I wasn't eating very balanced. There was a lot of refined foods in there and it just was not making me feel good. So I was tired all the time and, uh, I had, you know, not the greatest skin and my athletic performance was declining and it was really frustrating because I was, I was 20 years old and I wasn't, I was, my body was like acting a lot older. So I turned basically to the subject that I knew best, which was food, and uh, thought to myself, I had this ridiculous idea, like there must be something I can eat that will give me energy, which is ridiculous when you think about it, you know, like that's the purpose of eating, that's the purpose of food, but this this is my brilliant plan. And so I started researching basically energy foods, and I came across this Strange, wonderful concept of foods called superfoods, which essentially at that time described more of these uh, ancient foods from all around the world that had been celebrated for thousands of years as foods that could potentially give you the most amount of energy per bite of food that you ate. And I became really fascinated with them and I tried them out for myself and what I discovered was that they balanced my energy they didn't give me these huge energy highs or lows they just balanced my energy and I felt really good I felt like my body was functioning for the first time like the way a body should function just good like doing the things that I wanted to do and so it really it it changed my life because it was the first time where I really experienced the fact that food what you what you ate has a direct impact on how you felt and so I um I looked at my huge shelf of cookbooks and realized that these recipes that I'd been using for so long were thoroughly antiquated. And yes, they tasted amazing and were beautiful recipes, but they really weren't doing me any favors. And so I I realized that I I wanted to go into that field, and I started working with uh, all these different natural food companies and learning more and more about their amazing products and amazing superfoods. And I started working uh, six years ago with a company called Navitas Naturals. It's a superfood company, all organic superfoods, and uh, they have such an amazing array of superfoods to play with. And the more I learned about these superfoods, the more excited I became. Not just, not only in the in terms of their benefits, but also in their flavor and their texture. And uh, so I. You know, for the past 10 years, I've been basically working as a as a recipe developer with a focus on, believe it or not, superfoods and how to use them in everyday lifestyle. And so that's kind of where I am today, and I feel great. And <laughs> um, uh it's just amazing to me that the never-ending amount of applications for all of these incredible, beautiful foods. Mm. Well, I, I, I love that
0: the idea that there was something that you could eat to make you feel better was a revelation.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, yeah.
0: You know, looking back for both of us, I'm sure, like, you know, it's just obvious. It's like, you know, you're sitting by the side yeah. of the road Sorry. and there's no fuel in your car. And you think, you know, maybe I could put some gasoline yeah. in this thing and it would go.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, one of my favorite comedians is Louis C.K. And he has this one, um this one act that he does where he's talking about eating. And I love this quote that he says. He goes, He goes, I always felt like food was just another horrible thing that I was about to do to my body. (laughs) And I love that because I feel like so many of this have been there at some point in our lives where, you know, we're looking at this spread of pastries, let's say, and we're like, well, here we go, you know. (laughs) But it doesn't have to be like that. And that's that's the whole point. And you can... And my, my whole mission is that you can make absolutely amazing, crave-worthy treats as well as full-blown meals that, you know, nobody, nobody would turn down because they're so delicious and so attractive and so easy to make as well. And yet, they are packed full of nutrients and energy-giving foods. Packed! So it's just really about relearning the way that we cook food from the ground up and teaching some really simple skills. And uh, it's something that really genuinely will change your life.
0: So so I'm, I'm curious a little bit about when you said when you were a kid your mother tried to have you eat healthy and yet mm-hmm. you had, you know, Twinkies and all this stuff. Do you feel like it, mm-hmm. what, what was lacking for her was kind of a... A rationale or a definition of healthy or a way of looking at it. Cause I remember, you know, as a kid, um, growing up in the late sixties, early seventies and, um, there was a lot less processed and packaged food around, but it was around the time, you know, sort of hamburger helper was big and, and things like that. Yeah. And, and the idea of healthy didn't really have any sort of meaning.
1: <laughs> it, was, no. it was, it was just a vague no. concept.
0: Is that sort of what you remember?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like there was, you know, we're still kind of reeling from a lot of the, the propaganda, the food propaganda from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And, you know, for, just as an example, you know, there was the whole milk campaign out there that, you know, milk is good for you. And if you want your child to grow with strong bones and to, and to live you know, long, long time and be super healthy, you have to make sure that they drink milk. And so I don't know, I don't know if this was part of the campaign or if my mom read it somewhere, but my parents thought that it was really, really, really healthy for me to have three glasses of milk a day, every single day. Like, they were adamant about this. And I remember, even as a little kid... I hated milk. I thought it was disgusting as a little kid. I was not one of those kids who was excited to drink milk. And so for me, every single day, this was a big chore that I had to do to, to get those three glasses down. And so, you know, now, of course, we know the truth about milk that, you know, like it's very acid forming and that it actually takes calcium from the bones just to digest it and on and on. And it's full of its own sugars and You know, there's so many better options out there if you're looking for calcium or protein or even just a milky substance like, you know, the milk that you can extract from uh, nuts and seeds. But, you know, it was really just a matter of, okay, I'm going to take the most readily available information that's out there and apply it to my child, and that's what my parents did. So they they wanted the best for me, and they definitely brought vegetables into the house, but we're also a family that had no idea what kale was or Swiss chard was, and I remember very clearly the first time we ever brought kale into our house was to feed it to my iguana. <laughs> because- <laughs> I read about what you're supposed to feed a, a lizard for a healthy diet. And so we went to we went to Whole Foods and found all these really good vegetables and I was like, Great and I chopped them up and I gave them all to the lizard. <laughs> <laughs> we ate none of them. <laughs> so things have changed a lot. Things have definitely changed a lot. And it really it really excites me, frankly, to see the new realm of education that's developing around Natural foods and whole foods and plants, and just really re educating the public of what what's in food and why we eat it, and it's not just about calories, It's about what those calories are composed of. So it's it's cool. It's great to see.
0: Right, and you're you're bringing back for me a remembrance that I really did not like milk either as a kid, and it was yeah. it was most yeah. it was mostly because of the thermos. <laughs>
1: that
0: (laughs) you can never get the smell of that milk out of the thermos, no matter what you did. And so, and and I knew I had to get my milk. And so you'll find this, you know, deliciously ironic is I started making milkshakes to get the milk down yeah. and and yeah. and I discovered, you know, this culinary treat that's just this amazing um you know like the 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 best food I could imagine would be like, you know, milk, chocolate ice cream, some some Hershey's yeah. syrup or Fox's U-bet or Nestle's quick and then maybe a, yeah. a little bit of you know, frozen fruit in there. And like right. You know, here and here we are now, you know, 30 40 years later talking about smoothies and for me the, the, the smoothie really brings me back in a very sort of comforting and pleasurable way to, to that first experience. I wonder, you know, what is it about smoothies in particular that you find so wonderful?
1: Well, it's, it's amazing because I mean, I like, I kind of have a similar thing except with True smoothies being like fruit smoothies where when I was, when I was growing up in, uh, San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles, it, like, smoothies kind of just exploded all over the place. Like, at first it was frozen yogurt and then all of a sudden frozen yogurt was over. You know how the trends go. And then it was smoothies. But they weren't, they weren't real smoothies because, in my opinion, because they were like a little bit of fruit. a a lot of fruit juice, and then sherbet and ice cream. And so you have this blended drink that tasted really, really pleasurable that was being masked as healthy that everybody loved, including parents, because they're like, oh, this is great. We're giving them smoothies. Um, But the reason why I think smoothies are so popular back then, as well as now that we've kind of revamped the smoothies a little bit, is that, first of all, they are so incredibly delicious. Like, they have that really amazing visceral pleasure. They're beautiful to look at. They, you know, you can you can drink this big cup <laughs> full of what tastes like dessert. And on top of that, you can make smoothies out of any single flavor on the planet. So it doesn't, like, nobody... Is sitting there going, ah, oh, I hate smoothies because I'm sorry, what's your favorite flavor? Great, let's make a smoothie out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it becomes, it becomes a really delicious way to get in incredible nutrients. And I think now in this day and age, we can really pack in some of these amazing nutrients and amazing foods that we're hearing so much about in this delicious form. And that's what's so exciting for people is like, you know, I, I've heard so much about chia seeds, for example, but I don't, you know, list the excuses. I, I don't have the time. I don't have the, the wherewithal to really like make stuff. I don't know how to use them. Great. Put it in a smoothie. That's perfect. Absolutely perfect. So it's a really, really motivating way to get in so many of these great superfoods and natural foods.
0: Right. And this, you know, I think pretty much all of your smoothies or most of them have something cold, either ice or, or something that was frozen. Yeah. And there's something about the way mm-hmm. you don't taste it at first and then as it heats up in your mouth it kind of explodes that the sort of intensifies yeah. flavors.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the thing is about, um, about food in general is that when it's, when it's colder, when it's frozen, it actually, uh, lessens the taste a little bit. So, that's you, I mean you described the process perfectly actually, you know you first get the hit, the first hit of this movie, and it starts out on one flavor note and then there's a little bit of a flavor ride or roller coaster as you enjoy this movie as it melts and the flavor truly becomes alive, and so it's fun.
0: Right. So let's let's talk a little bit about. um What you call superfoods. So I'm 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 curious um, when you started adding them to your diet when you were 20 to to deal with the chronic fatigue symptoms, did you Mm -hmm. just add them on top of your regular diet of of kind of you know junk food and notice a change, or did you really shift to a much more whole food clean diet at the same time?
1: Um, right around that time, I was already beginning to shift my diet. Um, there was there was a period of time where I tried a very strict raw food diet which for me personally did not work in that in that uh, arena of being that strict. But um, what what going on a raw food diet for a period of time did teach me was that, you can make an incredible amount of things that you crave out of really whole foods. It taught me a lot about how whole foods function as opposed to the flours and the sugars and the other ingredients that I was accustomed to using. Um, so, for me, it was it was kind of all around the same time. And initially, when I started out, I did just kind of. Flop the superfoods onto everything else. But it, it, over the course of a couple of years, it became more and more and more refined. And, you know, I consider myself, frankly, uh, very loose in terms of what a person can and cannot include to be healthy. I think that, you know, the, the second that we put these very rigid limitations upon ourselves, it's, it's like setting a person up for disaster because you always want what you can't have. So I kind of look at things a little bit differently. I look at it as, you know, I can have anything I want, but I also want to do the best that I can for my body, and I want to make sure that this meal right now that I'm having for lunch, let's say, is going to be the very, very best. And, you know, dinner, like, we'll see what happens. But having that kind of more immediate approach about food is a very... It's a very approachable way of looking at things, and it definitely worked for me long term to really make my my diet completely full of superfoods and and wonderful plant-based energy giving foods
0: mm.
1: well, without so- feeling like I'm ever being denied.
0: yeah, it's it sounds like you're uh, you're you're not delegating the responsibility to your brain, but you're letting your body tell right. you moment to moment that you had you had you had some very intimate experiences with your body saying things yeah. to you that you you maybe didn't listen to for <laughs> several years. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> <really? laughs> right, so if we set if we set up a bunch of rules, then all all of a sudden yeah. uh we we've disempowered ourselves in the moment. And and that th- th- there's there can be a huge value in that. You know, if if we're totally yeah. out of control and if the rules are really meant to protect us, but at a, at a certain point, yeah. I think everyone's agency wants to kick in and they want to say, I want to be able to navigate life based on a higher intelligence than, you know, even what I've, what I've read from smart people. Right.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And I think, you know, I think that's a really beautiful point. And I think it's so important to listen to your body from day to day because everybody's different. People change. We change. We change by, by the year, by the season, sometimes by the day. I mean, there's days where I really need chocolate. Uh. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> and there's other days where I could care less. You know, I'm not, you know, me personally, like, I don't, I don't usually eat tons and tons and tons and tons of fruit. I have some fruit, but I'm not like uh, a person who just eats fruit all day, every day. But for example, when I went to Hawaii, All of a sudden, I could not get enough fruit because my environment changed. What you know, like, and I feel like it's important to listen to that. And I can't go there and just be like, "No, I don't normally eat quite that much fruit." No, and in Hawaii, there's a reason why my body needs that much fruit right now. So I'm going to listen to that. And I feel like having that direct path of communication with yourself means that you will be the healthiest you've ever been (laughs) and truly you are your own best educator when it comes to eating healthy foods
0: right the the, and the environment and our internal environment are so fluid and so complex that that we have a choice we can either make it really complicated or we can make it really simple. (laughs) totally and we we have we have to go one or the other, you know. We could have we could you know like weight yeah. watchers and things like that and make it really complicated with uh, meal plans yeah. and fists and and points and and this or that. Or you can just get to the point where you trust your body. To that, you trust
1: that, your body, yeah, yeah. And you also and you also trust a little bit of just internal reason to things. I mean, this happens all the time in the spectrum of healthy foods. I've seen it again and again, especially with superfoods. You know, there's there's a really, really healthy food out there. Let's say it's acai berries, which are. They're an incredible superfood. And you look at the micronutrients that are held within a every single acai berry, and that's undeniable. That's science. That's fact. And then, all of a sudden, <laughs> marketing gets a hold of acai berries and it blows them up at way out of proportion and all of a sudden acai's are great weight loss food and blah 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 and, you know, we go, we flip to this one extreme. And then, of course, the backlash happens, you know, acai's, is not necessarily a weight loss food, you know, acai berry. Is it, is it a marketing gimmick? Is it a scam? And then there's the other, end of the spectrum where people don't then believe in acai at all, when all that time we're missing the point, which is acai berries are a really, really, really good food. You look at the nutrition facts, the nutrition facts don't lie. And if we just kind of follow our instincts with those things and like, okay, I can get a lot of antioxidants, a lot of anthocyanin antioxidants from acai berries. I can get a lot of good, healthy fats from there. And take it in this realm of moderation and how it makes us feel when we put assay in a smoothie. I think that we are setting ourselves up for long-term success in terms of our diets to the point where it's not a daily thought process of what I should or should not eat. It's I'm craving this right now and I know it's for the right reasons. And that's, that's a great relationship to have.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you brought up the whole marketing thing, because yeah. you know, as as um, as someone who contributed to the book Whole, the idea of yeah. taking anything out of context, um, which yeah. which happens all the time in our market-driven economy, is it's basically all marketing. Mm-hmm. So I've com- I've come to superfoods yeah. with with a, a fair amount of skepticism. Um, you know that I like. I'll walk into my uh, local Whole Foods and I'll go to the produce section. I'll go. Oh well, look! I'm surrounded by superfoods like yeah, totally. carrots and parsley <laughs> yeah. and apples. And, yeah. You know. So t- t- to me, there's a you know there's a, there's certainly a certain bit of marketing. On the other hand, yeah. marketing is a good thing. <laughs> you know that mm-hmm. if that, that, mm-hmm. that the superfoods I think can be a way in for people to feel like like hyper-virtuous that could then lead them, Mm -hmm. like the way they seem to have led you into a Mm -hmm. diet in which there's nothing the superfoods have to undo?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, and I think it's really important in terms of how we look at superfoods as a whole because a lot of times, this happens so often with diets in general, we end up in this state of just dietary dogma and it's so strict, and then once you go outside of that little box, then it's, it's right or wrong. And I don't really think that totally exists in the realm of superfoods. It's, it's, it's both a blessing and a curse that, that the term superfood doesn't have a definitive definition, meaning there's, there's, no, there's no boundary set up, legally speaking, as to what is and is not considered a superfood. But instead, that kind of gives us instead a, a philosophy surrounding this idea of superfoods, that's really a wonderful thing to to take on and and use in terms of how we look at food. So the way I look at superfoods is is essentially as as a philosophy. They're the most nutrient dense, benefit rich foods found in nature. And this can range from anything from, you know, the, the everyday ones like the spinach and the kale to some of the more exotic ones like the chia seeds and the goji berries. But Keeping this in mind, it's, it's a, it's a progressive sort of philosophy. So, if you're in an environment, if you're in a convenience store, and you're looking around, obviously there's not gonna be any goji berries in there, but, you know, you may find that there's an apple, and next to all of the piles of chips and candy, is that apple gonna be a superfood? Yes, because it's the most nutrient-dense, dense benefit-rich fruit that's found in there. So I feel like constantly going out and looking for the best things that we can possibly put into our bodies is not only something that's tremendously rewarding, but it also gives us a lot of freedom in terms of what we can include and it skirts around the entire marketing scheme and gimmicks that are out there. It's not about this, you know, get, get skinny overnight. Sort of thing that is advertised all over the place, and any of these claims, I'm so wary of, and I never talk about any of them because it's it's really silly, it's unfortunate, it's a disservice to to this idea of natural foods and natural eating and clean eating. Um, and instead, I focus solely on the facts, what what we can understand, what we can use and how they incorporate those and leave it at that and like we were talking about a little bit earlier instead of making it overly complicated making it actually really really simple really simple and delicious
0: right now something else i like about you know i we have a whole a whole bunch of the the Navitas Naturals bags in our fridge door so as i'm i'm closing oh, cool. my eyes right now i'm picturing we have um maca um Cocoa powder, cocoa nibs, um, maybe one other right now, and there's some, there's something about them that remi- you know. I can certainly make a really healthy smoothie in the morning with water, uh, almond butter, um, spinach or kale, a, a banana, a couple of dates. But there's something about th- those other ingredients that are you know, admittedly a little exotic, a little more expensive, mm-hmm. um, that it's, it reminds me of like. Like a toy, like something that really focuses mm-hmm. you around the activity. It's almost like a ritual because I'm not going to pour mm-hmm. in the cocoa nibs. I'm going to take a teaspoon or, or a tablespoon if I'm making okay. it for more than one person. It's almost like you know I can do push-ups, but if I get this machine that helps me do push-ups, like it's, you know, it's thirty <laughs> bucks, it sits in the corner. I'm more likely yeah. to do them. There's some. There's something. Um, Absolutely. That fo- focusing about splurging on one of these more exotic superfoods that makes it more likely it's sort of a trigger in your fridge to remind you to put this into your life.
1: I love that. I love that it's it's really a case of uh, conscious consumerism in terms of the the edible treats out there you know and and I feel like when you do have that awareness about what you're consuming and are aware of the fact, like, you know, right now I'm putting in this maca powder, which is going to support my adrenal glands, it's going to give me energy without being a stimulant, and it's going to, you know, uh, uh support my, my stress levels. Um that's really beautiful. And it's not that, it's not that it's, you're just making things up in your head. This is really what is happening in your body, but it's, it's nice, it's empowering to, remember that and be aware of that and I think you know anybody who practices yoga for example will find that sort of way of thinking that that consciousness to be something that's very very familiar and can definitely be applied to food and will only enhance your experience with these superfoods and that's one of the reasons why you know how often do we hear about these stories about the, the people who have a positive attitude during times of sickness being aware of what they have and what their body can do they end up having a much faster recovery rate than the people who do not. That all that all shapes it. I mean that's a whole different book, but you yeah. know? <laughs> but I, I really do appreciate that that awareness around the the incredible powers of the foods that you are eating.
0: Right. Well, you know, a, a dirty word in like health and medical research is placebo this idea that, that right. people just think that what they're doing is good for them so they get better but in fact mm-hmm. the, you know the placebo is probably the best studied and most powerful intervention we have so that while you know okay. while you say it's it's true that these these foods actually are having this effect on the body i would argue that the effect they could have on the mind based on some of the the more in, you know, integrity-filled marketing is at least as powerful. Right. That, that if you feel like you know, what? You know I would when, be. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, you know, I would be totally inclined to, to agree with you. I, you know, it's like it's like taking your dog for a walk for 15 minutes. Is that 15 minutes of walking going to radically enhance your health? Probably not. Is it good for you? Of course, but it's not going to be any huge change. Yet, the act of taking your dog for a walk and spending time with your dog and seeing how happy he or she is and being outside and going back inside knowing that, you know, you made another creature on the planet happy, that's such a feel-good moment that, yes, will it will it dr- drastically enhance your health? I would argue yes because of not just the physical but also the mental.
0: Yeah, well, I, I remember reading a, a study, and I can't remember where, where I read about this, um, but it was a study of um, hotel workers spe- specifically maids who cleaned rooms in hotels and The uh-huh. study told half of them that they were actually burning lots of calories by doing their job. <laughs> And then they sort of monitored the two different groups, the one that had been told this and the one that hadn't. And they, they just, you know, they figured out they, they were doing the same amount of work. It wasn't like the, the group that was told they're burning calories was suddenly doing more rooms per hour. They were doing the same amount of work. They didn't change their diet. And yet the group that had been told that they were actually exercising lost a significant amount of weight and the other group didn't lose anything.
1: Oh my gosh, that's amazing.
0: So I would, I would say if amazing. you're you know, if you're if you're suddenly spending you know, these, these these uh bags of superfood, some of them are not cheap. So let's say I'm, I'm getting the the pound of, of cacao nibs for eighteen dollars. And just the fact of me spending eighteen dollars on my health and on deliciousness mm-hmm. and on a an organic product I argue that you know spending the money on that instead of you know four trips to Starbucks is already having right. an impact separate from the effect of the food itself.
1: Absolutely and it's also it's also like you said it's it's a reminder to consume these foods as well because you've spent this money on this product you're much more likely to use it as opposed to the bunch of spinach that you bought at the farmers market for two dollars, which is great, but then you know you're like, ah, eh, well, and then it goes bad.
0: Yep. <laughs> you're Like,
1: well, it's two bucks, you know. Like with with the superfoods, you're like, I paid twelve dollars for this bag. I'm going to make sure that I use this, and this is really special and good for me. And you know, this this is this is an investment in myself. And, you know, that's, that's a huge, huge motivator. And to add to that, I, you know, like a lot of times, I mean, obviously working so much with superfoods, I hear the whole claim of, you know, superfoods are very expensive and blah, blah, blah. I I hear that all the time and I completely, truly, genuinely understand and, and you know, I was a poor college student when I started out buying all these superfoods and I did what I could. I imported, you know, like, like one superfood a week and uh, I just kind of brought it in as much as I possibly could. But, you know, I, I feel like it's really important to kind of change the way that we look at the food that we're shopping for in general. You know, in the past it's been obviously flavor and, and cravings being one of the, one of the factors. But the other thing is that, you know, we're shopping for calories right you know like great we buy this packet of hot pockets and that's you know however many billions of calories per hot pocket and it's super cheap great well it's not providing any nutrients and that's where the superfoods really come into really come into their own because they're providing the nutrients actually at a low calorie cost so i use the example of uh camu powder um as a as a common one camu berries are at least You know, tiny little berries that come from the Amazon, they're one of the world's richest sources of vitamin C. Now, you go to the health food store and you buy a package of camembert powder and it's going to be about $20 and it's going to be this tiny little bag. And a lot of people will look at me like I'm crazy when I suggest this as, as a viable way to get your vitamin C and will argue, well, why can't I just eat an orange? Because, <laughs> you absolutely can, and I fully recommend eating as many oranges as you possibly want. However, if we're really looking at cost, if we're just addressing that cost issue alone, buying camembert powder is in fact less expensive. A table or a teaspoon of camembert powder has uh, almost 1200% of your daily vitamin C in it. So just taking a, let's say a quarter teaspoon of camembert powder will give you more vitamin C than you need in a day and to equal that in terms of oranges that you would have to eat like like two or three oranges which are going to cost you anywhere from 2 to 3 dollars versus the 30 cents that'll cost you for that little spoonful of camu berry powder so it it's we're buying the nutrients and not the calories that's that's kind of the the point of all of that
0: Right. Well, I have, I have I have a friend in the marketing business, uh, Perry Marshall, who uh, who sells information. You know, really good marketing information, and some of it's several hundred dollars. And he always gets pushback yeah. from people who are say, "Well, I, why, you know, why don't you sell your stuff for twenty bucks? I could buy a book for twenty dollars. Why is your stuff so expensive?" Yeah. He says, you know, anyone who buys information by the pound is a fool yeah. like oh this yeah. this book weighs <laughs> right. twice as much as that book therefore right. you know as as if the actual intellectual content the value of the ideas <laughs> the value of the information is 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 completely irrelevant um it's but you you mentioned um yes. right the camu berry come from the amazon which which makes me think uh-huh. about Um, You know, one of the things that the United States, the Western world, but the United States in particular has done over the past century has been – um gone to countries and basically commandeered their agriculture to feed our our desire for cheap dessert and coffee. And so I'm wondering mm-hmm. um what are you, what is your sense of you know the companies that you work with? What's their um environmental and social justice justice ethic? Should I worry about my camu from the amazon or my s i e berries or my my cacao nibs, especially you know cocoa and chocolate seems especially to be Especially the like
1: cacao, yeah.
0: A big deal. um, What's your sense of that? I mean,
1: I think, I think, I think it's actually a very credible concern to have because there's certainly many cases out there where we're not talking about something that is of fair trade ethics in the least. Um, you know, I'm extremely choosy about the, the companies that I work with and, uh, you know, I, I can, I don't know about all of them, but I can definitely vouch for Navitas Naturals in that all of their practices are of fair trade standards. And, you know, they work directly with the farmers. So you're not getting some, like, thing that's passed down and passed down and passed down, and we're not even sure where it's coming from. Um, You know, I've had the opportunity to work with them for six years now. They're a 10-year-old company. And, you know, Zach, the founder, he will actually go to the farms once a year and check in, and he has relationships with these people. And in many cases, it genuinely is. Helping out the environment and the communities that are surrounding where these superfoods are are being grown. Um, that said, that is not all across the board. And I think that's why I think that's why it is so important to learn about the companies that you're buying food from in general. I mean that's why I'm such a huge proponent of farmers' markets. This sort of thing, although maybe you know it's it's not quite as bad, but it can certainly happen on our own local soil as well. And so it's you know it's great to have education about you know what you're consuming, where it's coming from from everything that you eat to everything that you bear it's it's all it's all a concern for sure for sure. Um, but there's there's you know there's really really amazing foundations out there that do support sustainable farming, sustainable agriculture uh, and in many cases these are, people who are actually thriving for the first time in areas that have been previously impoverished because of these now new demands for some of these amazing foods.
0: Right. And I'm just guessing, you know, based on my knowledge of uh, farming and gardening and permaculture, that you know, what, plants don't really make these... Uh, phytonutrients and wonderful stuff for us primarily. I mean, you know, on, on a spiritual level, you could say, well, we're, we've co-evolved, but they're basically making that stuff for their own survival purposes for defense. Mm-hmm. And so you could mm-hmm. argue that, that there are certain types of superfoods that are just better adapted, um, that would require you know, no or fewer pesticides, less intensive agriculture could be grown more sustainably than say, you know, raising the rainforest and, and growing beef cattle or, or coffee, uh, or, you know, oh, monocrops I mean, you of look-
1: pineapple. Absolutely. I mean, you look at you look at a crop like hemp, for example. Hemp seeds are one of the hardiest weeds out there and they don't require pesticides because this thing can can survive anything. You look at something like maca. Maca grows uh, up in one of the harshest climates in the entire world for agriculture up in the Peruvian Andes. It grows in an area where nothing else will grow. It grows with rock there's, that's it because there's high winds, there's rapid temperature fluctuations, very extreme ones. And so, you know, to farm the maca, although it's in an extreme climate, really all they do is they plant the maca. <laughs> and then it grows. You uh-huh. know, and then they harvest it. You know, and it takes all of these these wonderful minerals out of the soil and then they rotate they rotate where they plant the crops the, the next time to allow the soil to replenish itself a little bit. So you're absolutely right. I mean, these are these are amazing foods. Heirloom doesn't even apply to many of these foods because it's, like, beyond heirloom, so to speak. It's, it's the original stuff. This hasn't been adapted in any way, shape, or form, which is, of course, a fantastic thing. And that's part of the reason why we need so little of these foods to get the benefits from them because they are so incredibly potent.
0: Great. So I, I don't want to leave without getting some um, deliciousness into the interview. Do you have a, a favorite recipe right now or something that you made today or something that's on your mind that, uh, that you'd love to share?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um so because it's because it's Halloween and whatnot <laughs> I've kind of I mean the the superfood smoothies book is broken down into different sections. Because as we talked about, like everybody likes different types of smoothies and so I really try to cater to that. I mean some of them are much more fruity, some of them uh incorporate the green superfoods and are actually green smoothies. And then there's other ones which are like stealth smoothies which incorporate uh, hard-to-eat vegetables for picky eaters, like either Brussels sprouts, there's a one that includes that in there, or cauliflower. Um, and then there's a rich and creamy smoothie section. And being that it's this time of year, that's kind of the one that I'm uh, cooking, so to speak, <laughs> more mm-hmm. out of right now. Um, so I've been making the cookie dough smoothie that's in, that's in the book a lot right now just because it seems so decadent, and yet it's filled with all good foods. And I've made this in classes before, and people are always amazed because you watch the foods that are going into the blender, and they're foods. They're real foods. And yet, this tastes like cookie dough, which is beautiful. So it's made Ooh. with things like pecans and pears and dates, and then there's a little bit of maca powder in there and uh, some almond milk and a few of your favorite cacao nibs, and it tastes so
0: luxurious and creamy very much like a milkshake ooh i'm look i'm looking at it right now that, <laughs> is, that is good it's i have i have you know bit, little bits of post it on several pages and i actually have uh, one yeah. page marked with a, uh, a the paper from a bro- from a uh, from a garlic clove that i must have stuck in there to but the, the, i have not tried this one yet um, way to, you know, way actually, to recycle. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going to encourage people to get the book, so I don't. We don't need to go into too many. But I do want to um, talk about what I found really, really helpful because I've been making smoothies for a while, but without a kind of a. Uh, a plan behind them just sort of throw everything mm-hmm. in the blender and if you have a good blender like a Vitamix or a Blendtec it's pretty forgiving but can you talk a little bit about uh, your smoothie architecture just so people mm-hmm. have a sense of like what could go in a smoothie and in what order and what really works.
1: Well, it's funny because, I mean, obviously it's a smoothie. It's not rocket science, and I recognize that here, and that's part of the beauty of smoothies. But there are a few tips that uh, can really make your smoothies a lot more successful. So, yes, the smoothie architecture is definitely one of them that I include in the book. And basically that describes the order of ingredients that you're putting into your blender to create the most successful, smooth blend. Um, so what I suggest is always putting in the hardest ingredients on the bottom. Uh, So if you're including nuts and seeds, put them on the bottom. Frozen fruits, those go down there too. And the reason for that is because if you think about it, the blades of the blender are down at the bottom. So you want to make sure that they're attacking that really hard stuff first. If you leave it till the last minute, first of all, it's going to splash up at you when you try and plop everything in there. But secondly, You know, your chances of the blades missing those ingredients are much likelier and you'll get, you know, you'll get kind of these chunks that are in this movie that are less than appetizing. So from there, going into uh, a little bit softer things like fruits, fresh fruits, um, if you have leafy greens, putting those on top, then I would layer on any sort of superfood powders or fine seeds you wait till the end to put those in uh, a, lot, a lot of times you get a little bit of a splash when you first turn on the blender and it'll get up on the top of the rim of the of the blender on the, on the top shelf and you know you're missing out on all the wonderful superfoods that you just spent so much money and time putting into the blender so making sure that those kind of get packed down by the next step which is the liquids and that you know pours everything in and kind of softens it and uh, blending all that and then if you need ice I always recommend adding that actually last so that you can kind of adjust how icy you want in your smoothie some people love a really good frosty smoothie I'm certainly one of those people some people prefer it a lot thinner and this gives you the most flexibility in terms of that texture element
0: Great. I found that re- really helpful because I've had so many smoothies I've made where, you know, I get this, like, surprise chunk of date.
1: <laughs> right. I guess it's, just,
0: it's just too much at that moment and not enough everywhere else or or right. you know the the worst is like you know i i now have a vitamix which is which is pretty resilient but you know when mm-hmm. i was using you know Cuisinart or wearing blenders every so often you you smell that smell and you realize i just burned out the motor uh,
1: yes yes and if you have if you have a uh, non high speed blender i should say um that doesn't mean that you can't make the smoothies that are in this book uh, you can just take, if you have really hard ingredients, especially especially like nuts and dates and things like that, or dried fruits, just simply soaking them in water from anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour ahead of time. Just keep them in your fridge, soak them ahead of time, and that's going to enable the blades to do their magic. So you don't have to have a fancy blender. I certainly didn't have a fancy blender for a long period of time, and things worked out just fine. And I love my Huntsby Blender now. That's <laughs> just kind of how the progression of life goes, I guess. <laughs> so I have one, one
0: last question, which is for people who are at the beginning stages of transitioning to a whole food plant-based diet. Where do you see uh-huh. smoothies fitting in? Um,
1: They're one of the very, very best things without question. And that's, that's actually the reason why I wrote the book in the first place. My, my first book was Superfood Kitchen, which described how to use superfoods in all different arenas, from breakfast to soups to desserts, et cetera, et cetera. But I was still, even with that, getting the question a lot, like, okay, how do I start? What's like the first thing? I don't have a lot of time. I'm rushed in the morning. What do I do for breakfast? What do I do for my kids? I need simple, 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 simple. And my answer every single time was make a superfood smoothie because they take five minutes to make and you can put in so many different types of ingredients, so many incredible types of ingredients in there and make it taste absolutely amazing. So, you know, when people are making the, the superfood smoothies out of the book, what I like to encourage is do the, race, do the recipes taste absolutely incredible just as is? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. However, it doesn't mean that you need to go stock your pantry with every single superfood overnight. You know, get like one or two or however many you want at the time find a couple of smoothies and start there and then build upon it. Like nothing has to be this overnight transition. I've had people be like, but it's going to cost, you know, a thousand dollars to get all the ingredients. Well, who makes a hundred smoothies <laughs> in, you know, in a week? Nobody. So not even me. So <laughs> so just start out with a couple of them, you know, pick your, pick your blend that sounds the most amazing to you. If you need to substitute, that's totally fine. There's actually a substitution list cheat sheet in the back in case you don't have a certain superfood and be flexible about it it's a smoothie so you can adapt and adjust it based on your own preferences
0: great well julie marsh thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us i'm uh, i'm jonesing to go home and uh, flipping the switch and making something <laughs> um, And and since it's around halloween time i'm definitely looking to look at that cookie dough um, There's
1: the attitude. <laughs> hey, can
0: I, could I have your permission to post that recipe with this interview? With, and then with a link back oh, absolutely. To, the, to the book? Alright, so I'll, I'll grab absolutely. that one for folks. And if people want to find out more about you, where should they go?
1: Uh, you can go to my website, which is just juliemorris.net. Uh, you can also go to, uh, Facebook. I'm on there as Superfood Cuisine. And I'm on all the Instagram and Twitter and you know everything that the kids are doing these days. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, so ho- hopefully not uh, not on so much that you don't have time to keep uh, inventing and and spreading the word about wonderful food.
1: <laughs> Never, yeah, always, always in the kitchen. <laughs> cool.
0: What what else do you do? Do you um, do you coach or consult or like if what what other things might people uh, reach out to you for?
1: I am primarily a recipe developer working with different uh, natural food companies. Um, I occasionally do classes now and then and, uh, you know, sometimes speaking engagements as well. So you can always check my website to see what I'm up to with that. Uh, you can also find my recipes elsewhere. I have, uh, just as an example, Vegetarian Times. Their Thanksgiving issue is gorgeous and it has uh, four of my recipes in there for some of the Incredible plant-based starters that you can make and really wow your guests this holiday. So I'm kind of I'm kind of all over the place.
0: All right, well, the, fir- the first place is uh, juliemorris.net. Grab the book Superfood Smoothies. I haven't yet uh, gotten my hands on the Superfood Kitchen. We'll have have to have another conversation about that at some point. Um, <laughs> but I want I want to thank you for the, for the work you do and for helping uh, humans and plants to, uh, to and animals to coexist more harmoniously and deliciously.
1: Oh, I love it. Thank you so much.
0: All right. Be well. You too.